Discover FX's Shogun, the official podcast available now. Every legend begins with a story. Listen and explore episode by episode the story of war, passion, and power set in feudal Japan. Join host Emily Yoshida each week with the creators, cast, and crew in this exclusive companion podcast. They dive deep into the twists and turns of the plot, go behind the scenes, and explore the real-life history that informed the limited series based on James Clavell's best-selling novel. Search FX's Shogun wherever you listen to podcasts. Tax season is approaching, bringing potential extra cash your way. Rather than spending it all on an expensive deal filled with yada yada from your current wireless plan, consider switching to Metro by T-Mobile for no contracts, no credit checks, no surprises, and nada yada yada you don't take yada yada in life don't take yada yada from your wireless provider metro by t-mobile has no contracts no credit checks no surprises and nada yada yada stop by one of over six thousand metro stores nationwide this episode of Stuff They Don't Want You To Know is brought to you by Alienware. During Dell Tech Fest, score game-changing innovations with limited-time deals on select next-gen Alienware gaming tech. New dimensions await with advanced gaming systems like the Alienware M18 laptop powered by an Intel Core i9 processor. Featuring awe-inspiring visuals, liquid cooling, three-dimensional audio with Dolby Atmos, and impressive overclocking potential. Plus, build your dream setup with great deals on select game Gaming monitors, mice, and more must-have electronics and accessories. When you shop online at Alienware.com deals, you'll have access to leading-edge gaming technology to conquer the competition and free shipping on everything. Amazing prices await you for a limited time only at Alienware.com deals. That's Alienware.com deals. So this classic was a wild ride for us. We're doing this back in, what was this, 2017? Oh, yes. In October of that year. Oh, uh, you read the title already. Was a cult trying to take over South Korea? You know, I'm trying to remember if I had been to South Korea by this point. Uh, but, But one thing we know for sure is that there's still questions about the extent of the pa- the extent of power and influence this uh, spiritual organization had in the halls of power of the South Korean government. I like how you pulled spiritual organization out there, Ben. <laughs> I've watched you do it, and it's the right it's the right phrase. Uh, they don't like the c word. <laughs> yeah, and if a group doesn't like the c word, you got to find out why. So that's exactly. What we did. From UFOs to psychic powers and government conspiracies, history is riddled with unexplained events. You can turn back now or learn the stuff they don't want you to know. Welcome back to the show. My name is Matt. My name is Noel. They call me Ben. You are you. And that makes this stuff they don't want you to know. First off, it's very important to all of us, uh, just as individuals and on this show, uh, to provide credit, good and bad, where credit is due. And in this case, we're very fortunate because we have a lot of good credit to provide. And we mm-hmm. actually might be a little bit late on this. We want to give a massive gargantuan shout out to our fantastic interns. Former intern. Fantastic former intern, Sam Teagarden, who had the unenviable or very enviable task of sifting through Months of email to learn what you, friends and neighbors, uh, our listeners, the most important part of the show, found most intriguing. You've met Sam before. Yes, Sam was our guest on the Golan Movement episode because of some personal involvement in the issue at one of the charter schools. And now, again, thanks, Sam, for being on the show for that. Thank you, Sam. Hey, uh, also our super producer, Tristan McNeil here. Uh, Tristan, can we have like some sort of applause cue for Sam? Perfect. I like that. We need a cranky Tristan sound effect because he's he's mad because I was late today. No, he's not <laughs> mad. I can see it in his eyes. He's he's definitely shooting some uh, emojis our way, though. He writes – this guy writes to us in official work correspondence it, solely in emoji. Sometimes it will just be like a cat. 
and yep. I, I don't understand. Or a saxophone. That's, have we already talked about this on air? We have. It's okay. It's a great. Like Tristan probably will get his own episode one day. <laughs> It'll be all an audio emoji. Uh, yes, with uh, Sam Teagarden, uh, one thing we want to point out is several of the recent episodes you have heard on our show relied on his initial research for us, going through emails, seeing what he thought had some sand, mm-hmm. and we really trusted him on this, and he did a bang-up job. Uh, we can't thank him enough. Yeah, but he's back in school now, but we can promise you that you haven't heard the last of good old Sam the Sift Kid Tea Garden. The what? The Sift Kid. Like sifting through stuff? Oh, I thought you meant like panning for gold or something. Yeah, kind yeah, of. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's the yeah, same thing. That's true. Yeah. That's, yeah, yeah. sift for gold. Yeah. yeah. And uh, whether or not you are familiar with our friend Sam Teagarden, you've probably heard a great deal about a country called the Democratic People's Republic of Korea, street name North Korea. And you've heard it in the news lately uh, for uh, the ratcheting tensions, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, as, as we record this now, um, North Korea has – uh, made some progress in their ICBMs, intercontinental ballistic missile programs, and the U.S. and North Korea are playing a game of brinksmanship. Yeah, the DPRK recently shot a missile across the bow of Japan. Then they had another missile shot down, I believe, by China. So, uh, yeah, fun stuff going on. May you live in interesting times, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Sheesh. The curse that keeps on cursing. Uh, for some background on the truth behind the fiction surrounding the so-called hermit kingdom, please check out our earlier episode on this country, which unfortunately we may need to update soon. For sure. Today, however, we're looking south. We're looking at South Korea or the Republic of Korea. That's the other half of the Korean peninsula. In particular, we're exploring a story about two longtime friends, a story about corruption, a story about religion, and a story about the fall of a president. And murder most foul. (laughs) And murder? (laughs) No. Not that we're aware of. (laughs) Well, there is one. There is one. Oh, cool. And murder most foul. Seriously. All of those things. But first, here are the facts. So we're going to give you just like a quick down and dirty kind of top down Reader's Digest view of the past uh, just for a little bit of background. So here we go. We have two countries, the Republic of Korea and the Democratic People's Republic of Korea, which were both formed by the same historical events, beginning with the division of the peninsula along the 38th parallel uh, at the close of World War II. Um, and that was formerly a single country, all of that. Um, so then we fast forward to 1948 and Ben Bolin. Oh, yeah, I was there. Um, <laughs> that's when the divided halves each declared themselves sovereign nations. So one says we're the Republic of Korea. One says we're the Democratic People's Republic of Korea. The problem is each declared themselves the lawful governing force of the entire peninsula. Yeah. So as you might imagine, this situation was obviously unsustainable. Fast forward to Matt Frederick. (laughs) Then we get to the Korean War, which occurred between 1950 and 1953. Overall, throughout this conflict, there were 5 million both military and civilian casualties. And here's the thing. When it ended in 53, there was no real defining winner. And it didn't re- technically end yeah. as an armistice, right? Exactly. They just decided, okay, we're going to stop actively attacking each other. And uh, South Korea then shifted uh, after this time back and forth between military, then democratic rule, then back and forth, back and forth. Over the decades, right? Mm-hmm. And during during this time uh, from the end uh, or from the, I guess, cessation of large-scale warfare uh, – to the modern day, South Korea struggled more or less continually against widespread corruption in the highest government and business offices. Part of this is, of course, due to nepotism, and that's no different from any other country, and part is due to the existence of gigantic corporations with their fingers in every single pie. These things are huge. Yeah, they're they're called the uh, Chebol, um, which I may be mispronouncing. They're massive, family-controlled conglomerates with international reach. So you can think of businesses like LG or Samsung or maybe Hyundai or Hyundai. Uh, Hyundai? <laughs> yeah, Hyundai. Tricked out like Christmas in July? These are examples of these Chebol. And the amount of influence that these conglomerates wield in South Korea, it 
it would astonish you. You, your jaw would drop to truly understand it. It would probably confuse you too, especially if you live in, let's say, the Western world. Right. Uh, one example, in 2014, Samsung alone comprised about 17% of South Korea's entire economy. And here's the thing. Don't, you know, don't get up on your high horse like, oh, well, we would never allow that to happen in here in this <laughs> yeah, uh, land. Well, they exist all over the place in the U.S., the U.K., France. Uh, all these places have conglomerates. And here is a perfect example. This is a fun one. Lay it, lay it on me. This is new to me, man. The Louis Dreyfus Company. Have you ever heard of that? Louis Dreyfus Company? Like, like Elaine from Seinfeld? Yeah, it sounds familiar, right? Julia Louis-Dreyfus is the great-great-granddaughter of the founder of, quote, the world's largest cotton and rice trader. Hey, and also it's considered to be the second largest player in the world's sugar market. And very soon it's going to capture officially the third place ranking of the largest trader of copper, zinc, and lead concentrate. Jeez. In 2015, this conglomerate posted a revenue of over $55 billion. Guess we know how Julia paid for all those acting classes. <laughs> but but Nothing did, against Julia. Yeah, no, but, no, no, she's very talented. And Seinfeld's a great show. Yeah. But does this company have a podcast? <laughs> there we go. It's just crazy to think of how, like, think about that. Right. And those different, like, agriculture and metals – there are companies like that. They're, you know, they're largely out of the public eye. You won't mm -hmm. hear the news reporting on them as much. But yeah, a, a lot of the world's wealth and resource extraction does come from companies like this and they have international reach. Can I fast forward back to the modern day? Please, please do. We're in the modern day. <laughs> Perfect. The current government of South Korea is the Sixth Republic. It began in 1987 and continues at least as we record this episode. It's so funny to think of it like a country forming in 1987. Yeah. You know, we were we were all alive then. It's just yeah. I don't know, I don't know why that's that, that's remarkable to me. I just Listen, think of Yeah. It's kind of like a government too. Yeah. Uh, it's more I guess it's more a government because they didn't change the borders of the country. But yeah, it it also reminds me of Italy, which has had um, a, a historic problem. Well, in Germany too, right? Like with there the we wall go. and stuff. I mean, yeah, I, it's it's not that remarkable, but for some reason, I just it strikes yeah. me as like, whoa, a country that formed in my lifetime. Yeah, well, you, yeah. In a, in a large enough scope, just so I can do the accent again, there are a lot of uh, people in this world that at a time said, oh, forming your country in 1776. Oh, congratulations. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Matt's on a roll today. <laughs> he the, is. Voices. Were you it. watching BBC or something earlier? Uh, it's just the Hamilton soundtrack. Oh, that's what it is. And in my head, it's Doing all... Doing a King George. They don't, they don't have British accents it, it, on the it, Hamilton it, when soundtrack. I, when I sing it back, it's all British accents. King George does. That's tough. Oh, that's true. That's, that's a good. I, that's a good song too. That's like probably mm -hmm. that's a great run. Yeah. You gotta have a. You've got to have a large range for that one. Yeah. You know. Um, but the uh, here's another one. Um, South Sudan formed quite recently in our within our lifetimes. Mm -hmm. Okay, it's not remarkable. It's just no. Nice. It's, it I is. think it's super it remarkable. Is. It's weird. I, I collect. Old, I stand by it, feeling weird. <laughs> I stand with you in the fact that that is incredibly weird. You know what I mean? Imagine being born uh, in earlier generations before the fall of the USSR and all of a sudden you're like, oh, well, we got all these new countries now, yep. many of which I probably can't visit. And I have to remark on the sinister nature of your coffee cup. It has a uh, like a Christmas reindeer cartoon on it, but the top is like blacked out, like it's been spray painted <laughs> over, and it's yeah. like half of the reindeer's head is, is shrouded in shadow. It's, That's incredible. Why it's a is gift. that? It's a gift. Why is it? Yeah. Why is it like that? Well, these are burn marks. I was actually on fire when I. <laughs> When I was drinking from it. No, this is. I can't is, believe the cup emerged intact. This is a great, um, this is a gift, as Matt said, from our friends Joe and Linda. And if you look really closely, you can read the writing under the black part. It says, Happy Holidays yeah. to Conspiracy Stuff. This is a coffee cup that is, uh, heat sensitive. So it's so it's all black unless you pour something hot in it, like coffee. And then it reveals the picture. And then it reveals mm -hmm. the okay. picture. Well, I'm just. Tickled by all kinds of simple stuff today, guys. <laughs> no, I think it's remarkable too, and thanks again to Joe and Linda. Yes, I, <clears throat> I hope you're listening, and uh, I hope that Joe and Linda, along with the rest of you 
fine folks. Uh, forgive me for butchering uh, Korean names throughout this episode. So there's a person named Park Gyun-hai uh, was born in 1952. Yeah, that was pretty good, Ben. Uh, well, we'll see. <laughs> we never know until the emails come in, right, Noel? That's fair. Uh, Park, Miss Park is the eldest child of South Korea's third president, Park Chung-hee. Uh, she was elected president of South Korea in 2013 and served until 2017. Wait, record scratch. Pump, yeah, pump the brakes. I know. I know how it sounds. It sounds pretty freaking insane for a democracy to elect the child of a former president to the same position, right? I mean, what are the odds? You'd have to be a pretty corrupt country to ever allow that to happen, especially if you purport to be a meritocracy. Are you right? being sarcastic, Ben? <coughs> I just think it's ridiculous for any democracy to do that. George Bush. <laughs> we know how you feel about political dynasties. Yeah, thank you. I, okay. All right. All right. Let me. You're right. It is. It is my opinion, but technically it's unsound. Right. Anyway, yeah, whatever. Your vote matters. In South <laughs> Korea, a president is elected for a five-year term, meaning President Park was set to hold office from 2013 to 2018. But as we said, she left office in 2017. So what happened? Scandal. That's what happened. Mm-hmm. Yes. Long story short, the first female president of South Korea was impeached this year. But that's only the beginning of the rabbit hole. And we're going to go down that rabbit hole right after a quick word from our sponsor. Hi, I'm Antonia Blythe, and this is 20 Questions on Deadline. Joining me today is Alison Bree. Welcome, Allison. We got second place in my seventh grade lip sync contest for one of the songs on that album. The one that was like, you've already won me over. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. It's a very all slow. The, all the options. In spite of me. Like, what did we do? It's so slow. <laughs> Don't forget to listen to 20 Questions on Deadline. Thank you again, Allison. Thank you. Have you heard about the social media platform for kids? It's called Zigazoo. It's a great place where kids like me can come together to make fun videos. Zigazoo is moderated by real, live people who review content before it's posted on the feed. Oh, <laughs> I especially love the dance challenges. So much fun. Oh, and there's no comments or messaging, so you don't get any of that negativity that's all over other social networks. Oh, my friends love it. I love that it's kids-safe COPPA certified. Uh, I don't know what that means. It means it has built-in privacy protections for your online data. Uh, that's great, but I wouldn't be doing Zigazoo if it wasn't fun. She would not be doing it if I didn't think her data was safe. Zigazoo, the world's largest social network. For kids! <laughs> Download the Zigazoo app today. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City Featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Here's where it gets crazy. So President Park had a very close friend, a woman named Chu Susil. That's what we're going to... Uh, Pronounce it as, but it's C-H-O-O-S-O-O-S-I-L. How else would you pronounce that? I'm, that's how I would do it. Uh, so Chu is the daughter of this cult leader, shamanesque, if you will, named Choi Tae-min. And Choi was a former Buddhist monk. Uh, he formed a religious group called Eternal Life Church. Doesn't that sound wonderful? Sounds nice. Right? Mm -hmm. Now, this thing in itself is relatively innocuous. It's It's a religious organization that he founded. Sure. Great. Good on you. You can do that. 
South Korea has no laws barring religious practice of any kind. And again, you have to take our word for it here, but despite the absolutely cartoonish practice, like Ben said, of making <laughs> um, a former family, you know, a family member of a former president, president, uh, <laughs> it's pretty ridiculous. South Korea functions democratically, which means citizens have freedom of religion. They have the ability to vote for, you know, people going up for president. It's what they call a sham democracy. Uh, <laughs> you, could totally, you could totally tell what mood I was in with some of this research. <laughs> it's all good. The problem is if you try applying that across the board and you start to realize any relative the holes in everybody's democracy. But oh, anyway. <laughs> no, no, no. That's what I'm saying. Demo- yeah. yeah, democracy is a bit of a magical loaded term. <laughs> but isn't everything – no. I don't know. Cake is cake. Yeah, coffee's coffee. You know? Sometimes, what if it's gluten-free cake? That's a good point, Matt. <laughs> uh, so the Church of Eternal Life or the Eternal Life Church saw Choi as a messianic figure, mm-hmm. uh, a self-described future Buddha. Like a prophet? Mm, uh, a prophet becoming a demigod. Oh, yeah. so That's like a step up. Yeah, like the uh, bad guy in Lord of Illusions. It was so great. It holds up, too. <laughs> it holds up better than you would think, you know? What was his name? Nix. Uh, yeah, what? I think it might have been Nix. It was Nix. Good call, and man. Swan was the magician. Uh-huh. We're getting off track here. But y'all, check out Lord of Illusions. That's a underappreciated Clive Barker movie. He gets mm. maligned quite a bit. and he does. I think, he, uh, I think he's worthy. His short fiction is great. Books of Blood. And that's a nice one. Um, Anyhow, Choi was a close associate of Miss Park's father until, and here's the murder most foul, my friend, until her father was assassinated by Korea's Central Intelligence Agency. Most foully. And admittedly, that's what's different um, with this case versus a lot of other cases of an intelligence agency assassinating their elected leader. Not to say that happens a lot, just to say that this is not the only example. Uh Members, officials, or former officials from Korea's CIA said, yeah, we, we shot him because we thought he was super corrupt and we were doing the right thing for the country. It's bold. It's bold. Uh, during the younger Park's childhood, Miss, Miss Park's childhood and political ascendancy, Choi, the um, leader of the Eternal Life Church, was a mentor figure. And this much is acknowledged by everybody in the conversation. Mm-hmm. Uh, Miss Park's supporters, Miss Park's opponents, everybody knows. Um, he was somewhere like a father figure, somewhere an advisor, you know, um, and this is an isolated person who has lost their parents. However, leaked diplomatic cables from the American embassy in Seoul, uh, the capital of South Korea, uh, they came to these Cables come to us via the WikiLeaks um, enterprise, mm-hmm. which we should also probably check back up on. Yep. Is Julian Assange still there, still in London? Hanging out. Hanging out. Okay. All right. <laughs> Every so often I ask Matt on air, off air, what's happening with Julian yeah, Assange? And just the quick updates usually, yeah, he's still there. He's still there. Uh, so anyway, these leaked cables uh, report a bunch of rumors flying around Seoul that Mr. Choi was a Korean Rasputin mm. and had complete control over Park's body and soul during her formative years and that his children accumulated enormous wealth as a result. I love how the idea of like Rasputin conjures the images of like magical powers almost, you know, mm. yeah. or like mind control yeah. abilities. Absolutely. Yeah, and just using the phrase control over Park's body and soul. Yeah. So he's a puppeteer of sorts. Well, you know, um, the historical Rasputin is a pretty fascinating character, and I, I wonder what it means. You know, like to Noel's point, calling someone a Rasputin definitely does have this tinge of mm-hmm. a, of occult nature, right, or occult power. All I know is that Rasputin makes a fine dark beer. Is it true? It's called Old Rasputin, and it's delicious. You know, I'm I'm so skeptical of dark beer. Somebody told me that Guinness is actually a, people go on a Guinness diet, and I thought it was a joke because dark beers always seem really heavy to me. It's like you know, I want my loaf of bread in a glass, mm-hmm. but apparently I was wrong on that. And then you hear about an olden times where people would drink a dark ale with their breakfast. Yeah, you know, like come on, because <laughs> the water would kill them. Well, that's true. 
That's a great way to start your day. Did you ever hear that theory that the uh, Dark Ages could be chalked up? The Dark Ages being the period of uh, stagnation in education in Western Europe can apparently be chalked up to um, fundamentalist religious practices and booze. Mm -hmm. There are a couple of historians who say everybody was just pissed drunk for like several (laughs) centuries. Wow. I think that's an oversimplification. And speaking of oversimplifications, <laughs> let's continue with some of the background here. So after becoming – fast forward, as we said, after becoming president of South Korea, Ms. Park and her friend, Ms. Chu, continue to have a close relationship. So the timeline of Ms. Park's fall from grace um, began in October of 2016, which was about a year ago from now. Mm-hmm. Um, so here's the rundown. On October 17th. Students protested at the prestigious Ewaha Women's University in Seoul, uh, which sparked a much wider investigation into corruption and influence peddling in Park's inner circle. Uh, and then specifically we had protesters arguing that Ms. Choi's daughter was unfairly admitted to the school due to potential influence, shall we say, from the administration, from mm. Park's office. And then we've got one of the weirdest little bits from this scandal, which was that Choi's daughter was able to list her champion dressage performance on her application. And so I don't if understand. anyone doesn't know, that's like where the horse just kind of steps Right? Isn't yeah. that like it's almost like a little prancing competition? Yeah, the horse and the rider perform a series of predetermined movements. Moves. It's not like jumping, it's not racing, it's like kind of trotting in a circle and or tapping and like yeah. raising your Whoa. Okay, for every I, I literally a show pony yes, kind of situation. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. For everyone who doesn't have some weirdly specific version of synesthesia, clairvoyance or telepathy, what Noel and I were doing Just when we were trying to explain it is we were both using our hands, our hands <laughs> like uh like the front hooves of a horse. Um I I hope that doesn't come back to haunt us. So, yeah, yeah, dressage. Dressage? Dressage? I think it's dress. Dressage sounds more fancy. Let's, mm. let's go with yeah, that. Yeah, I was going to say that is something I would associate with wealth a lot sure. of times. Opulence. Yeah. There we go. Affluence. Yeah. And influence, as it turns out. Mm-hmm. Yes, because this training was apparently paid for by the South Korean government. So, taxpayer money essentially sent this kid to horse school. Yeah. <laughs> Well, they would, I'm sure they call it at that level. I'm sure they don't call it horse school. The Dressage Academy. Yes. And we continue, right? Oh, boy, do we ever. We have October 24th, wherein the South Korean broadcaster JTBC broke open the scandal wide open um, by uncovering a tablet computer uh, belonging to Choi Soon Sil. That's the who, friend. Yeah, the friend. Of, was a friend of Miss Park who had no official government post whatsoever. And documents found on this device suggest that Ms. Joy had received confidential presidential documents and edited key speeches. So, yeah, she's editing speeches for the president who's not officially a part of anything. And, again, I'm not 100 percent you know, clear on the particulars of the you know um, chain of command mm-hmm. uh, and levels of clearance, I guess, in this government. But I would imagine people would have to be vetted and assigned some kind of clearance to – get these documents. Oh, sure. And this obviously had not happened. Well, imagine President Obama or imagine President Trump saying, uh, saying, well, I, you know, these might be confidential, but I don't keep any secrets from a boy Jelly Roll. Yeah, Jelly Roll. <laughs> Jelly Roll's got all these documents on his tablet and he's just editing speeches. He got me into that Floyd concert. This is a man who understands the world and I want him working <laughs> with these secrets. Jelly Roll? Yeah. Well, it would be one thing if Jelly Roll was an accomplished speechwriter who just wasn't officially working on the thing but was a friend and was like helping him out. But if it's somebody – Even then though, dude, can't you – I mean in our government at least, you know, you can't just like slip people that kind of stuff. I mean you get in big trouble for that, like at the yeah. highest levels. I mean I would think if – sure. Yeah. I mean, confidential documents, though, that's that's a that's huge, huge problem. I guess the president has the agency to just kind of do whatever in this mm-hmm. situation. I don't know. Yeah. It even seems like in our government we have situations where the president, by virtue of his own office, can just kind of like say, yeah, no, it's cool. We're just going to do this today. Right. Yeah. Like when we had that discussion in Zone of Death about whether 
a president can pardon themselves, you know. Uh, October 25th, uh, Ms. Park admits to the country. She says, yes, I have close ties to Ms. Choi, uh, who has at this time been nicknamed the shaman advisor already because her father was a cult leader. And she apologizes for causing the nation grief. Like, my bad. I'm friends with her. <laughs> That's crazy. All right. So then October, uh, a little bit later, like right at the end, October 23rd and the 30th, Hundreds of thousands of people begin protesting and gathering up, um, in Seoul for the first of six giant rallies about this scandal, uh, protesting against the administration. And Ms. Park accepts the resignations of several key aides who have gotten caught up in this whole affair. Which probably means they knew about it and mm-hmm. didn't say anything. Yeah, exactly. So they got cut first. Then on November 1st, Miss Choi returns from Germany. She's been in Germany, kind of escaping the situation in a way. And uh, she comes back and she gets questioned and even detained by prosecutors to figure out what the heck is going on. So then on November 8th, we have investigators raiding the headquarters of Samsung Electronics for the very first time. What? Um, yeah, and the company uh, was believed to have come under pressure to make donations to Ms. Choi. That's weird. Mm-hmm. Samsung? Oh, all right. 14, what, 17% of the economy? Yeah. Huh. So what next? Then on November 20th, Ms. Park gets accused by prosecutors of being a conspirator of the criminal variety in Ms. Choi's alleged scheme. So Ms. Choi is kind of in this version like they accused her of before being a puppet master of sorts. Mm. And the president is just one of the puppets that she's manipulating. And then on the 29th of the same month, Ms. Park offers to resign but does not say when. And uh, her proposal then is dismissed by the opposition and the protesters as a stalling tactic of sorts. On December 6th, the heads of the country's largest companies, those Chaibol we mentioned mm-hmm. earlier, are interrogated by lawmakers in the National Assembly and on December 9th, lawmakers vote to impeach Miss Park. So what kinds of things are being whispered into President Park's ear? Here's where it gets kind of spooky too, you know. Right. According to the BBC, critics believe Choi perpetuated her father's habits. Choi's uh, father being, of course, uh, the leader of the Eternal Life Church. Uh, some media reports suggested that Miss Park held shamanistic rituals at the presidential compound under Choi's influence. Miss Park, for the record, denied this. At the Think t- about that. Yeah. yeah. The president holding shamanistic rituals in, in – if, if we apply it to the United States, yeah. president just in our current situation, President Trump performing rituals in the White House with other people around. You know, maybe they're not no. so creepy. But, but when, when definitely... we say shamanistic rituals, what are we talking about? Well, first, uh, you know, for another example, Ronald Reagan consulted an astrologer. Yeah, it's true. Leader of the free world, the most dangerous nukes at the time. Uh, and presidents do hang out at the Bohemian Grove. Right. At the time of our recording, Park continues to deny any allegations of participating in whoosh, whoosh, cult rituals at the Blue House. Think of it as the South Korean White House. Mm-hmm. It's the president's home. Specifically, to answer your question, Noel, these rituals included but were not limited to acts of alleged clairvoyance, fortune-telling, uh-huh. and channeling. Yes. Miss <laughs> Choi is rumored to have told Miss Park she was capable of channeling the spirit of the president's dead mother. Additionally, she gave the president amulets that uh, had purported abilities to provide magical protection. She also um, – uh, Listening devices – <laughs> Quite possibly. She also uh, advised the president on which sorts of colors to wear and when, for example, red and white clothing. I want to stop here before we're – before we get too far and note that one thing I really liked about the question you asked, Noel, when you said, well, shamanistic rituals, what mm-hmm. type of these things, uh, for someone who, you know, historically all the U.S. presidents have outwardly at least – if only for the votes, said that they were Christians. That's what I was mm-hmm. kind of getting at. You I know. mean, like, is it that bizarre in another culture to perform these kind of quote-unquote rituals? Is it any more bizarre than 
presidents holding prayer meetings or something like that. Right, or prayer breakfast yeah, or something. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And, I, you know, I really appreciate that point because I think it's it's a fantastic point. It's one we need to make because there, there are um, – there are – shamanistic religious practices in Korea and they're a part of the culture, you know. So it's it's not necessarily um it it doesn't necessarily mean that this is stuff that Choi and her father just made up. However, it does seem that it does seem that the uh daughter took up the father's mentor role. Mm-hmm. And definitely put the kid in horse school. That's what that, <laughs> that thing's for sure. For sure. So opponents of Park allege that her friend Choi was actually less like a friend and more like a behind-the-scenes puppet master picking up where her father left off and directing the president in matters of state policy. We know that Choi had access to secret government documents. We also know that she edited the president's speeches, but that leads us to a couple questions, right? Yeah, we don't know exactly what types of edits were made to the speeches. On one hand, it could be as simple as proofreading. Maybe she's just fixing some typos, right? Sure. Just going through, mm-hmm. uh, right-clicking in the Word document and or whatever document and mm-hmm. uh, fixing the red. Saying that's actually further, not farther. Or yeah, something. for yeah. sure. But on the other hand, Choi could have been altering the content of these speeches. Like, meaning somebody with absolutely zero official government position was creating public policy through the words of the president and possibly even swaying these things like whatever is happening in either the favor of the church or in personally choice favor. Because we know like, I mean, speeches don't necessarily dictate policy directly, but they can certainly shape perception and, um, mm -hmm. you know, the give the impression of support of certain things. And that matters. We know words matter. And that can make a big difference yeah. in, you know, the way things move in terms of actual policy. Yeah, you're, you're sending signals to the rest of your government by saying things mm-hmm. in public. That's just it, signaling. Yeah, and it is, it is very important. It's a crucial component of foreign policy. So somebody, uh, with no qualifications other than being someone's friend and or manipulator had their hands at the wheel in one of the most, um, I would say one of the top three most fragile geopolitical areas sure. in this time. You know, uh, what if what if Kim Jong Un hears a speech that he or his advisors don't like? You know, uh, I have a feeling that happens all the time. <laughs> probably does. It probably does. So this is an ongoing situation, and where does it leave us in the modern day? Uh, we'll draw some conclusions after a word from our sponsor. Billy Eilish and Phineas O'Connell, they're with us today on Crew Call. I'm your host, Anthony D'Alessandro. Billy's vocals, it was automatic art. You know, I had to like choose a more challenging route than just like da 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 da. You know what I'm saying? Like it could have been like easier. And a lot of people have asked me, like, how did you choose to have it be so soft and like so simple? And what else was it going to like? That's what the song wanted. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Crew Call podcast on Deadline. Hey, Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was edited so well. I think you're so talented. Social media interactions are only positive when you use Zigazoo. Zigazoo is the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. Your kids can upload their content and see what their friends are up to. With Zigazoo, they can create videos, enter to win prizes, and try out the latest dances and trends. There's no commenting, no text messaging, and everything is 100% human moderated. Plus, all community members are real, verified kids just like yours. There are no bots, trolls, or AI. Because Zigazoo is about one thing and one thing only, and that is fun. Try out Zigazoo this spring break and let your kids share your vacation blogs and best edits with their friends safely. Download the Zigazoo app today. That's Z-I-G-A-Z-O-O. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. 
Join us March 20th live from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Well, we're back. And it doesn't look good. Right. Miss Park certainly did seem to be under the sway of Choi's influence as well as Choi's fathers. And heads of the corporation involved are saying, you know, it's fairly – it's incredibly uncommon for these very powerful business leaders to be called into their version of Congress – they're saying they were coerced into donating millions of dollars to Choi's organizations. Wow. South Korea already elected a new president. Like, how do you, I'm just wondering about being coerced into donating millions of dollars to this stuff. Cause I guess you could, you could threaten to impose sanction or, you know, new taxes or, you know, things that would make operating your giant conglomerate unfeasible. Uh-huh. I, I, I can't imagine how much pressure, but there must have been something there, some triggers to pull. Well, there's also the – yeah, there there are definitely triggers. There, mm-hmm. there are hard triggers and there are soft triggers that might not ever legally be uh, – Personal stuff? You're right, leg, or legally recognized as a threat too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there might be personal stuff, um, but it might also be something as simple as – we have new complications on mm. building codes, right? Yeah. Or tariffs yeah. or something, you know? Yeah, I wonder if Choi threatened to summon the dead relatives of some of the leaders of the conglomerates. That's an interesting idea, Matt. Uh, at this point, we don't, at this point, we don't know. Yeah, sure. If it's anything sure. like that. And uh, it at that most level. Likely, is, likely is not. It would just be interesting. Well, that's the thing. Without knowing what was happening, Right, mm-hmm. it's it's very difficult for people to form a concrete opinion or sort of chronological chain of events. We do know that since the 10th of May 2017, uh, there's been a new president in South Korea, Moon Jae-in, mm-hmm. um, who, as far as we know, is not under the sway of a cult. Uh, <laughs> Is a former human rights lawyer and chief of staff to a uh, another former president, Romo Hun. Uh, he was he was elected uh, with a with an okay okay share of mm-hmm. the of the vote. It seems like, in, in all honesty, they just had to have a snap election yeah. to get this other person out. Um, <clears throat> so that's that's the case so far. Uh, as this is a developing situation, we'll probably hear more about it. Um, it does not come at the best time, of course, geopolitically. Uh, we are – this This is going to come out after we record it. So some of the events may seem a little bit um, older. Or changed even slightly but not much, hopefully. Right. Like we are currently recording this the day before uh, the DPRK is set to launch another ICBM. And they'll be launching it on uh, Saturday, September 9th. Yep. Yeehaw. Right. And we can do an entire episode about North Korea's purported nuclear capabilities plus uh, versus their actual nuclear, nuclear capabilities. Mm-hmm. But at this time, uh, the region is under intense global scrutiny and – the powers that be are are flocking there. This is a uh, this is going to be, as Noel said, interest a series of interesting times for South Korean president and for the people of the region. Uh, just as a side note, I know a few people, multiple people, who are in the Navy, and they have been snapped up from being on leave to go 
on an adventure somewhere that they cannot discuss. So it always makes me think, oh, I wonder if they're heading that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, who knows? At the same time, uh, we have signals from officials in the Russian and U.S. governments uh, talking about uh, – that are indicating arms buildup, mm-hmm. training exercises. Mm-hmm. What a time to be alive. I hope that the streak of being alive continues. Yes. And, uh, of course, we hope that everyone hearing this is uh, in a safe place. Uh, and we uh, are sending our thoughts and support to the innocent people of the world. Because, you know, as they say, um, when, what's that old quote? When elephants go to war, only the grass suffers. Oh, geez. Trampling on all of it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And uh, just one last thing here sure. before we, you know, end this episode per se. Mm. Are you doing the voice? Do the voice of work. <laughs> we just have to remember in our own country, if we look at ourselves, uh, the United States has a long tradition of secret societies among the upper echelons of our government. Yeah, yeah. Including Freemasonry, uh, let's say the Illuminatus. Perhaps of Bavaria. And, you know, the Bohemian Grove, Skull and Bones, all of these other secret societies that the United States voter just has to either not know about or completely ignore when they make their decision on who they're going to vote for because most of the people that get up to that level have been a part of one or more of these. You know, that's a great point, Matt, and I'm glad you made it because it goes – so so it's in the great interest of people who profit from a status quo to enforce um disunity mm-hmm. amongst the 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 bottom part of society right or any lower part of society so often you'll see this false dichotomy um hinging on a political position or a um I mean, the best is when there's blind loyalty to a party. Because yes. when the parties are both fingers on the same hand, then everybody gets to have a little bit of bread and circuses, a little bit of um, Facebook liking, a little bit of clicktivism or whatever, mm-hmm. and feel that they've done their part for um, reproduction or gun ownership or whatever, whatever their issue is. Uh, and honestly, just saying it on a podcast that I know goes out to a number of people makes me feel good. But ultimately, what does it do? What does it do? Right. right. Uh, and the, the, the groups who are participating in the just buffoonish, buffoonish summer camp that is Bohemian Grove or the um, dumb – fraternity that is skull and bones. I mean, look, here's the thing with tradition. I've okay. never been in them just to, I don't have an opinion because I've never of been skull, Well, it's a very powerful organization with very mm-hmm. powerful people in it. And, um, hopefully, uh, those people are using their power to keep this species alive and push it toward its ultimate destiny, which is expanding beyond this planet before we destroy it one way or another. Uh, However, I think that it is a lapse in critical thinking to assume that because something has existed for a long time or that because powerful people like it, it is therefore somehow correct or superior. Mm-hmm. I mean, look at uh, – sadly, there are so many examples of times where people said, well, that's tradition or that's how we've yeah. done it. And those turned out to be terrible, terrible, incredibly stupid things. And, and we're still doing a lot of them. And we can't – we as individuals, we as groups, whatever group you align yourself with, have to be have, – have to take great pains to note that the problems we so easily spy – or so we easily perceive in other organizations, whether that's a religion, a state, or a business, or a family, whatever. A, a, a fan club for Christopher Walken. Groups of humans tend to have some of the same root problems, you know, and the, the same rotten, uh, 
tooth of corruption in the mouth of the South Korean government uh, and still exist, right? The president was corrupt, but uh, we can't act like the U.S. doesn't have its own cavities in this terrible analogy. Dude, hey, I, I feel that. The, the big thing for me is loyalty. If you, if you are swearing an oath to serve as a democratically elected official, especially in, in the executive office as the president, for the people, you are, you are acting as an executor of the people's will, essentially. And also, you know, in a way. And that's at least what it says. <laughs> but what if you've already sworn an oath to one of these secret societies prior to swearing that oath? Do they exist simultaneously? Do you, you know, right. who do you serve? If you are a public, uh, public figure, if you're a government official, should you be required to disclose uh, all, all the ins and outs of mm-hmm. those businesses? Or, you know, uh, swear, like break that oath in some way officially? Well, then is it a violation of – because a government official is still a citizen. Is it a violation, <laughs> at least in the U.S., of their right to privacy? Oh, my God. You know? <laughs> what do you think, Neil? I don't know. I just I support the right to you know for high level government officials to have a guru of some sort they just keep around. You know, I think that's that's cool. Yeah. yeah. What's the point of having a stressful job like that if you can't have some sort of weird magician that you hang around with all the time? You right. need a Merlin. There should always be yeah. a Merlin. A Merlin. Position. Mm-hmm. A Rasputin. A huh. choice in sill. There you go. Uh, you know. That's interesting because we, we do know that there are advisors in different countries that would, that are doing things that would be considered magical acts, right? Like, uh, Myanmar, uh, or also aka Burma, um, had the military powers there for a long time, uh, took the advice of astrologers and actually relocated the capital for that. And even magical beliefs aside, uh, just having a trusted confidant or an advisor, especially if you're in a series, uh, if you're in a, a position where several million, several hundred million people, in the case of, of uh, any U.S. president um, past 1950, probably would like to kill you, mm-hmm. you know, it's good to have friends. Agreed. Sometimes you want to go where everybody knows your name. You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, I haven't learned much from TV and movies, mm-hmm. but one thing I have learned is that the bad guy is almost always the close, trusted advisor. Oh, like Scar. Almost always. In The Lion King. Yep. Or Iago. There's so many. A lot of times it's the magician. Uh A lot of times, you know, it's the religious leader. Just saying. Yeah. You know, that makes me think, uh, ladies and gentlemen, if you were in a uh, position of uh, immense power, or if you are now... uh, do you practice uh, having gurus? Do you have a trusted advisor? Uh, do you have, e- even if you are not in a position of quote unquote immense power now, do you have a spiritual advisor? Do you mm. have, do you have someone that has a connection to things unseen and little understood? And if so, do you follow their lead? Have you met with success, or have you been burned? In the shamanistic rituals. We'd like to, it, yeah, whatever the belief system may mm-hmm. be, we'd like to hear from you. Uh, and speaking of which, that reminds us it's time for. Shout out corners. First shout out today comes from Simon. Hey from Australia, says Simon. Good day. Love the show. So I thought I'd give you a story I heard from a friend's grandpapa. Um, I inserted the extra papa. Um, he was in the Navy in El Salvador or the U.S., and after this encounter, he and his shipmates have never set foot back on a boat. When they were out in the Atlantic one night, massive swells began to form out of nowhere, and he said something came out of the water that was so big that its eyes were the size of a semi-trailer. It looked directly at the boat and went back under water. Uh, so Simon says that when they reported this to the command, they were basically dressed down by their uh, commanders or whatever and s- basically accused of being drunk. Mm-hmm. Um, so he swears to the story and doesn't go into too much more detail, but he hates talking about it. Also, have you ever heard about the Westall UFO sighting? I highly recommend you suss it out as Australia is known for weird things like UFO sightings. Keep up the good work and skadoosh. Nice. Simon, that's a cool story. Uh, you know, 
the size of a semi. I like that. Yeah, I. Uh, that's a tough one. You got to really believe that uh, friend's grandpa. But you know, I believe him. Uh, but I want to learn more. Also, if there's a massive storm, maybe it's possible that something that typically would be in the lower levels of the ocean was pulled up mm. to the surface momentarily. Right? Or just came to check it out. Or just came to check it out, just to see what the haps were. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Westall UFO encounter um, is a UF, uh, UFO story uh, from 1966 where more than 200 students and teachers at these two schools uh, witnessed an UFO descending on a field. And it's an interesting case because – Oh, I remember this. You know, over 200 people. Yeah. So there's a lot of corroboration. That's a really good point, Simon. Uh, that's a really good idea too. Thank you so much for writing in. And I hope your friend's grandfather talks about it more often. Uh, that's – you'd be surprised what people can remember when they try. The size of a semi, that keeps – Yep. It keeps baffling me. I don't want to see that. Thanks for writing in, Simon. Who's next? Next shout-out goes to Cameron. Cameron! That's your shout-out. Cameron says, I was listening to the Lucky Yates episode, and you pondered why aliens would analyze the ethics of abducting humans and come to the conclusion that they must return us to Earth after abducting us, but that they do not have to ask permission in the first place. It stands to reason that by our morality... The most ethical way to approach an abduction would be to ask permission first and return the abductee to their original state afterwards. This is a primary tenet of the American justice system, after all. Cameron says, however, what if alien morality does not parallel our own? Consider a man, a human man who's sitting on a boat on a lake with a pole. Attached to that pole is a string with a hook on the end. This man is fishing. (laughs) I like how you write, Cameron. Uh... He will not ask the fish for their permission before catching them, but there stands a good chance that if he will not eat the fish, he will throw it back into the lake. Why does the man do this? Well, because humans have an ethical standard that they apply to fishing, whereby the fish is returned to the water if it will not be eaten. We call this catch and release. We do this because we do not assign enough value to the lives of the fish to require their permission. Oh, wow. Right? Good point. So... Is it possible that the aliens operate with the same ethical dichotomy? Could they see us as fish hiding underneath the surface of Earth's atmosphere and reason that their ethics do not require them to ask permission of us fish human folk, but do require them to return us to Earth if they don't plan to eat us and or to, you know, do something that would end our lives? Hmm. You know, I, I, I really, uh, I really appreciate that point. To me, probably the stranger thing is just, um, how one would traverse the gulfs of time and space. Sure. I really love the catch and release comparison. The reasoning know? here is yeah. beautiful. What do you think, Matt? What do you think, Noel? I, I love this. Uh, Cameron, if there are in fact species of some sort that are advanced enough to want to study humans, and this is in fact what they're doing, this makes so much sense to me. <laughs> mm-hmm. And that that one line in particular, we do this because we do not assign enough value to the lives of fish to require their permission. Whoa. Isn't it funny, too, how even people that are like a lot of, you know, non-meat eaters are okay with eating fish, so we like pescatarians, mm-hmm. because they aren't cuddly. They don't seem to have, you know, anthropomorphic type traits. Yeah. I yeah. wonder. Any, if anyone's out there, like I'm interested actually to hear what your reasoning is yeah. behind. Is, is it like a health thing or is it in fact a kind of more of an emotional thing? It's because they're water breathers, man. They ain't breathing air. Now, an octopus uh, is capable of experiencing emotion mm-hmm. and recognition, right? So mm-hmm. uh, so if that's – if it's an ethical concern about like the ability to – Suffer yeah. or, or have experience, experience emotions, then I guess a pescatarian shouldn't eat an octopus. I have known pescatarians that will not uh, eat cephalopods. So, mm. yeah, so yeah, I, mean, I think it's different for different people, but let us know. Yeah, that's a great idea. And how can you prove if a fish feels emotion or not? Because they're always just going, aww. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, boy. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Oh, man. No, I respect it. It's You're a out visual. Here. We're working live. Yeah, all right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> Noel and I did a horse dance earlier, so now okay. now uh, the three of us are back on even keel. Uh, we have time for one more shout out today from Recon. Uh, <clears throat> assumed Re- name. Uh, assumed name. Uh, Recon says. I just listened to the Pyramid podcast and the part at the end where you said uh, your conversations normally continue at a bar somewhere. I'd love if you all did an after-hours podcast where you were drinking at a bar and continuing the conversation from a normal podcast. Ooh. Thanks so much, Recon. Um, drunk conspiracy. Or, I mean, drunk even... conspiracy? Even just, like... Conspira drunk? The ambiance of a bar hanging out... And having just maybe even if it's just a beer or something with the cameo from the bartender. Well, yeah, and then just have we could have special guests come over and just hang out with us. You say and, all kinds of weird stuff once you've had a, a lager or two. Well, That's yeah, I true. mean, look, we're still we'll still listen back, and Tristan will do his magic on whatever it is. But I can imagine something really cool being there. Tristan, you have to edit sober though, right? That's that's the rule. He's given the no shit. <laughs> like not yeah. possible. Yeah. <laughs> he, Tristan will be there with us, and he'll edit real time as we're going, uh, just like cut and then keep going. I, I love this. I like the idea too, and we have, you know, we have a couple uh, regular spots. Maybe sometime in like October or later in the year, maybe. We might yeah, try it. I've been off the sauce mm-hmm. uh, this month. So. Yeah, we both well, have. Yeah, can, it's true. You I can have wanna, a cranberry. I didn't want to uh, talk out of school, but yeah, it's been pretty great actually. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I might, uh, I might never go back. <gasps> well, hey, we'll see. if that's what you want to do, man, more power to you. Thanks, buddy. Yeah. Uh, then <laughs> I got to tell you, hanging out at bars not drinking is actually really interesting and a lot of fun. I went to a show the other night, a concert, uh, saw this amazing band, the OCs, if anyone's ever heard of them uh, or check them out. They're like this um, L.A. kind of garagey, psychedelic punk kind of – I don't know. It's hard to even describe. But the dude that plays guitar just – blows it up he's nice. amazing and he's it's it's really really cool music but it was one of the first times i'd been to a concert like that and not had a drink and i felt so undistracted mm-hmm. like i just watched the whole show never moved never worried about getting back to the bar getting in line whatever i felt like it was a much more uh full experience i really enjoyed it not to Nice. Sound preachy or anything, well, but I really got, have been kind of digging it. That's not preachy. You got uh, more of your money's worth. Too, that's true too. You know. Yeah, uh, yeah I went to a. Uh, I went to one of uh, our like local bars in the area here, and uh, I hung out for a couple hours. And my bar tab was seven dollars. Yeah, I got a hot dog and fries. Yeah, wow, it was great. Yeah. Um, so we were obviously into this idea recon, and uh, fellow listeners, let us know if. You would want us to uh, take a recording out and about in the world where it would be, believe it or not, probably even more casual. My thought is we could incorporate the Lucky Yates style of hanging out and discussing multiple topics. I think we might be able to make this work, gentlemen. I'm game. And hopefully you are too. Let us know. For now, that concludes our... But not our show. We will be back next week with something uh, weird, fascinating, perhaps disturbing. Uh, there's one way to find out. Tune in <laughs> when we publish. However, before then, if you would like to learn more stuff than what you know, you can find Matt, Noel, and I on Instagram. You can find us on Facebook. You can find us on Twitter. If you are a longtime listener, you've heard the names of all those. If it's your first time listening, let's make it interesting. And just search, <laughs> see what you find, right? <laughs> yeah, it's conspiracy stuff. And then with Instagram, just add show to the end of it. You can- and that's the end of this classic episode. If you have any thoughts or questions about this episode, you can get into contact with us in a number of different ways. One of the best is to give us a call. Our number is one eight three three stdwytk If you don't want to do that, you can send us a good old-fashioned email. We are. Conspiracy at iHeartRadio.com Stuff They Don't Want You to Know is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Infinity Presents, a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from The Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. 
featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. That makes us FACET for life now, I guess. (laughs) Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. Hey, this is John Ridley. And this is Matt Carey, documentary editor at Deadline. And welcome to Talk Talk. John, we've got a hard-hitting episode today. A lot of controversy. Well, maybe we should put the word controversy in quotes in the documentary field about the nominees for Best Documentary Feature. We're going to get into that with some amazing panelists. You get a shot, but the individuals behind every one of those images, they're complicated and they are human. This has been Doc Talk. Thank you. Great Thank conversation. You. 